Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody and then be seated. All right. Good to see this crowd out tonight. Good to see folks tuning in. So glad that you've taken the opportunity to do so. And God has something very special for you. Don't forget, every day we have from the shepherd to the sheep. And folks have been saying how God has blessed them. And I trust that you'll tune in every day sometime. It's on from 6 o'clock on. You can get it anytime. And uh, I trust that you'll tell others and get them to subscribe as well. And don't forget, this Saturday, we will have uh, the men come out and do the sanitizing and the cleaning and the sprucing up and getting ready for a big day on Sunday here in the Lord's house. And then the, on Saturday afternoon, we have a session number 1506-1506 of our Bible Institute. You can tune in. And you can live stream at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. 3 o'clock, you can tune in and get our last session in the series on the life of Abraham. Don't miss it. Everybody's invited to do that. And then don't forget, don't forget that daylight saving time begins at spring forward time. You're going to lose an hour, but if you make preparation, you'll be okay. So turn your clock forward ahead one hour before you retire for the evening on Saturday night and uh, call somebody up and remind them and invite them out and uh, praise the Lord that we can do that. We'll be out on time for Sunday school and church. One week from tonight, one week from tonight, remember, Patrick was a Baptist. You can tap in the right place and find out Patrick was not what the world says he was. And so we wear red instead of green because red is the the color of the Baptist martyrs, praise the Lord. A little bit later on, we'll receive our offering, and you've done very well in our sixth project, which we just completed. We raised enough money to $8 per Bible to send out 1,067 Bibles, praise the Lord. That's $8,536. You did it, praise God, for your good giving. Faith promise is right up, praise the Lord. Uh, we're, we're keeping our monthly total right up there. And our special project number seven now is for the Zik. So on your red others envelope, would you, on your love envelope, would love offering envelope, would you put the name Zik, Z-I-C-K, and help us as we raise our money for this project. What a special project it is as they win souls uh, in the ministry. The fairs that are open, yes, and also flea markets and other open air venue souls are coming to God through Christ. All right, tonight we'd like you to take your Bible and turn together with me, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter number six. Thank you for turning with me. And keep in mind that all of the relationships that are found in the Word of God are empowered and enabled by the same source. We can't be what we ought to be in our relationships apart from the fullness of God in our life. Praise the Lord for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can have the fullness of the Spirit if you've been saved by grace through faith. And if you and I will get out of the way, we'll confess our sins and allow the Spirit of God to fill us and to live through us, people will see Jesus in us. It says in chapter number 5 of Ephesians and verse 18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That is the key to balance and success in every relationship. It is the key to balance and success in the home. And tonight we are reading 
Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Please follow as I read. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. I've taken the title tonight from it, which is children, comma, obey, dot, 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 and fathers, provoke not. Children, obey, and fathers, provoke not. There's a lot of damage that's been done to a lot of relationships. A lot of people have suffered for years with the effects of a, a home that needs mending. And only God and His grace can mend a broken home. Praise the Lord for the opportunity tonight to preach the Word of God. I'm glad that He tells us clearly in the Word of God how our homes are to be conducted. I recently read a book, and the title of the book says it all. What does your life say about your upbringing? What does your current life, what does your current behavior say about your upbringing? And what is it that we're doing to others as we impact their lives? We're in a developmental phase all the time. It's never too late to get things fixed and to make things right if we'll turn it over to God. I'm asking you to do that tonight. I'm asking you to take those steps, you that are out there that are viewing and you that are here and those who will view this later on and those to whom you will recommend this broadcast. I'm saying America needs strong Christian homes. America needs good godly parents and godly children and godly relationships and only God can fix what's wrong with what's going on in our homes right now. Let's pray. Father, these verses we've read are key verses. I pray that you'll help us now as we talk about the home. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank God for His hand of discipline in our lives because it proves that we are His children. <clears throat> Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. It says so in Hebrews chapter 12. If <clears throat> we're not being disciplined by Almighty God, then we're not actual children, legitimate children of His. I never had to be told who my dad was because he was the one that meted out the loving discipline in my life. I could have used a little bit more over time. I'm speaking tonight on this general subject and I'm reading from a book called The Tribute, What Every Parent Longs to Hear. Dennis Rainey, who does seminars on families and family living, wrote this book. It says, if you pick up your Bible and turn to Exodus 20 you'll find the Ten Commandments. It's found there and also in the book of Deuteronomy. These ten timeless absolutes were given by God to the Jewish people after He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. Although studies show that most people are, are unable to recite these commandments from memory, most of the Ten Commandments are at least familiar to us. You, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, and so forth. But one of those decrees is often overlooked. Even in the Christian community, little is said about the fifth commandment. Now, the first four commandments are about our relationship with God. 
The next six commandments are about our relationships with each other. The first of those is the fifth commandment, and it says, Honor thy father and thy mother. This is what he calls the forgotten commandment. Instead of honoring our parents, we've taken the better part of the past three decades to bash, blame, and attack our parents for their faults and failures. Our parents have become a toxic waste site on which to dump the blame of our dysfunction. In the process of analyzing our backgrounds, which I believe is indeed important, uh, an important part of growing up, we have failed to take responsibility for our own attitudes and actions. Instead, we put it all on the failures of our parents. Now, let's stop for just a moment. Our parents are imperfect, and so are we. And we need to accept responsibility once we're old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, to, to do our part to fix whatever may have not been done right up to that point. Anybody who fails to do that is irresponsible. Are you listening to me? You're irresponsible if you're just still at this juncture in your life, blaming your parents for whatever is dysfunctional in your family. Listen, God has given us the ability, like the earth, man is never going to destroy the earth. No matter what you know, the, the, the eco-freaks say, we're not going to destroy the earth. God's going to, going to do away with the old earth and give us a new earth, and we read that in 2 Peter. But in the meantime, the earth has been created by God with a, an innate ability to heal itself. God has enabled this this. Uh, the topography and the atmosphere, to do amazing things. God has also built into us, once we are accountable, the ability to seek biblical help and get things fixed that may have been uh, damaged previously. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm so glad for this book right here. This one was, was uh, written by Gloria Gaither. And... Uh, it's entitled, What My Parents Did Right. I like that. We have a bunch of leaders like Dr. Dobson and uh, Johnny Erickson Tata and, uh, let's see, Bill Gaither, Steve Green, uh, Larnell Harris, uh, let's see, uh, Florence Littower, Mark Lowry, uh, Let's see, some others that we know. Janet Oakey, Sandy Patty, Frank Peretti, the author, Gary Smalley, uh, Sheila Walsh, the singer. Let's see. I'm looking for some more familiar names. Jerry Falwell, Jack Wurtson, Don Wurtson. A lot, of, a lot of famous names there. You say, why do you bring those up? Because they have gladly accepted the responsibility of rising up and calling their parents blessed for the things they did right. I know my parents, now in heaven, were imperfect when on earth, but I'm so glad for the lessons I learned. And if you, even if you learned wrong lessons from your parents, you can thank God anyway. And you can turn around a bad thing and make it better. You absolutely can. We have the ability to do that. The Bible makes it clear the children are a blessing and a gift from God. In other words, we are a stewardship. God has given the stewardship of children to those that He has entrusted uh, their upbringing. And as we pointed out last time when we were together, last Wednesday evening, 
The Christian family, as such, has the opportunity to serve as a visual, a witness to the love and the joy and the peace and all nine of the fruit of the Spirit that flows from, I be, from being uh, uh, identified with uh, God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ and the redemption that's provided for by His finished work. We are all an illustration of those godly relationships. Uh, for example, parents and children represent God and His children. Husbands and wives, as we saw last week, represent Jesus Christ and His bride, the believers. Praise the Lord for that. When the Bible says, children, obey your parents, uh, obedience to parents is certainly foundational for society. In an atmosphere of, of rebellion against authority, we have the opportunity to picture the right way, picture how the proper obedience and adherence to authority is a blessing. God has provided us with leadership so that we might have knowledge of which way to go. He's given us His Word. Not everybody acknowledges the Word. Not everybody is saved. That's why the Bible says, children, obey your parents. What are the next three words? In the Lord, for this is right. So don't you believe it's unconditional that children ought to always obey their parents? Children ought to be obedient by their nature, by their character. But on the subject of specific wrongdoing, listen to me. When a saved boy or girl who's come to our Sunday school goes home and dad and mom say, I want you to take this drink. I want you to sin this sinful activity. Those boys and girls do not have to do what is a violation of their conscience before God because God has now started in them something brand new, something righteous and something holy. I wish every boy and girl could stand up and say something like this and be a witness and say, you've just asked me to sin. You don't want to raise a sinner. You don't want to raise a hellion. You don't want to raise somebody who's going to be that wicked. You want to raise somebody who'll rise to, to greater heights. Now, most boys and girls don't have the words to frame that. They, they are in fear and somewhat of awe of their parents, and so they won't know to say that. But those kids, when they come here, many of them ride on buses or come to our youth group or come to our youth program or come to our Sunday school. The place where they feel the most pure and the most righteous love and affection is there in that Sunday school class or there on that bus and praise the Lord. There they're being taught how to live right. Children, children are living in a world where they are learning things that I never dreamed about knowing. <clears throat> but God can give <coughs> wisdom in their selection of what they choose to live and how they choose to experience what they know. We need to get back to beginnings. Uh, Dr. Norman Harrison, who has written a number of the books that are in my library, has said uh, the reason we study Genesis 1 through 11 is because it is uh, our foundations and we know where we came from and we're not going to know where we're going unless we know who we are and why we are the way we are and where we came from. And the modern problem in, in society is that 
God has been kicked out of the public school and the book of Genesis is being laughed at as a book of myths, but it is a book of foundational truth. That's why boys and girls and young people need to be in our Sunday school and our church. They need to hear our preaching. They need to listen very carefully. The book of Genesis is literal. The book of Genesis is truth. It's absolute truth. And we know where we came from, that we are created in the very image of God. The family was not an afterthought. It wasn't something that happened by accident or by evolution. The family happened because God willed it and determined it to so be. We have a number of great thoughts from the inspired pen of Solomon, the son of David. He wrote by inspiration in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 22. He said, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 20 says, Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Proverbs 19, 26, He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is as a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Proverbs 17, 6, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Proverbs 15 and verse 20, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Yes, we teach children to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's it. That's it. We know that obedience is the first law of the universe. Dr. Lehman Strauss, whom I had the privilege of hearing preach when I was just a little boy, Dr. Lehman Strauss said that in his book. He said, uh, According to the word of God, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Obedience is the first law of the Creator and His creation. The whole world is regulated by the law of obedience. The millions of stars, the seasons are all under this law. Man must exercise obedience in every sphere of life, beginning as a child in the home. So we help children to come to grips with the first law of the universe, the first law of the universe is obedience. That's why we teach our children to obey from the very beginning. From the very beginning. They're going to have to obey something or someone during their lifetime. Man must exercise obedience in every sphere of life. And then as a citizen of the state, as an employee at work, as a member of the church, we are subject to the laws of life. The first lessons in obedience are learned in the home where basic training begins. If there is to be harmony in the home, submission must be practiced. Lawlessness must be corrected. In too many houses, the children's word is law. There's little respect for the parents. Little respect for the parents. Dr. Jeff Fugate, who's a friend of mine, wrote back in 2002 about the word respect. In Ephesians chapter 6, we find both sides of the parent-child relationship. God gives instructions to young people. He speaks to the child first. I get a little tired of children placing the blame on their parents for their own lack of respect and their own disobedience. If you study all the relationships, Dr. Fugate says, given in Ephesians 5 and 6, you'll find that God always speaks to the follower first. You say, well, I would have put the leader first. 
God didn't do it that way. He put the follower first. And here is the reason, and you teach your children this. You can't be a leader until you first learn to be a follower. Following is the, the predecessor to being a leader. That's it. Too many people have been elevated to leader and they've never learned how to follow themselves. And so he speaks to the servant before the employer. And, and uh, if you want to cut your days short in life, young people, just disobey and disrespect your parents. If you want to enjoy a long and happy life, then respect and honor your parents. Webster's Dictionary gives at least four definitions for the word respect. The first is esteem. The second is consideration. The third is deference or regard. The fourth is to hold in honor. Let's take these definitions and see how they relate. And then he goes on to write about esteem and consideration and deference and to hold in honor. A child who respects his parents will not allow his parents to be criticized. When somebody says, man, your dad is hard on you, they won't say, yeah, you're right. Uh, he, won't, he won't stand up and, and go along with criticism. Instead, he'll say, don't criticize my dad. Don't criticize my parents. Why is that? Because if he knows what's good for him, that's how he's going to live long on the earth. And praise the Lord for that. Now let's talk about children for just a moment. I'm looking at Dr. Ross Campbell's book, which I highly recommend, How to Really Love Your Child. Dr. Ross Campbell comes in, his feet come down on the side of understanding the makeup of the child and thereby working with the child. We must all recognize that children are different from each other. Now we all have certain things in common, but there are certain things that are different between all children. These are called congenital differences, and we need to lovingly apply biblical principles in training children, each of whom is unique. They are unique. We know that uh, doctors Chess and Thomas have shown that a child has uh, nine different temperament and behavior differences. And let's look at these congenital temperaments. Number one, activity level is the degree of motor activity a child inherently possesses and determines how active or passive he is. So kids differ by degree in activity level. Number two, rhythm, rhythmicity. Rhythmicity. I don't use that word every day. Rhythmicity. Regularity versus irregularity is the predictability of such functions as hunger, feeding pattern, and uh, sleep uh, awake cycle. Number three, approach or withdrawal is the nature of a child's response to a new stimulus such as new food, toy, or person. Number four, adaptability is the speed and ease with which a current behavior is able to be modified in response to altered environmental structuring. Number five, intensity of reaction is the amount of energy used in mood expression. Six, threshold responsiveness is the intensity level of stimulus required to make a response. Seven, quality of mood, positive mood versus negative mood. Playful, pleasant, joyful, friendly as contrasted with unpleasant, crying, unfriendly behavior. Eight, distractibility identifies the effort of extraneous environment on direction of ongoing behavior. Nine, attention span and persistence is the length of time an activity is pursued by a child and the continuation of an activity in face of obstacles. Now, what am I saying? Those are nine 
separate items. Multiply them by degree in the individuality of every child and you recognize immediately that this business of child rearing is no piece of cake. It is a daily challenge to every parent to be on their knees. That is why the Bible says, children obey your parents in the Lord and that's why dads are said not, not to nag their children and bring them to the point of being discouraged. It's very important for us to reach the heart of our child. And this begins very early. I believe our relationship with the child begins when the child is yet in the womb. I believe that. And then I believe through their total development, obviously a child does not have the maturity to comprehend and process everything that's going on. So what is the one factor that they must always have from the beginning uh, of their life with us as parents? Here it is. Unconditional commitment. We teach them how God is with His children. God is unconditionally committed to us. Are you listening? So many people have said, Preacher, I wish I'd known these things before I started my family. Would that have changed anything? It only would have changed how you deal with your kids. But it wouldn't have changed the fact that you have kids. Just you would have done a little better at what you've done. And I'm not here to pile on tonight and to pick on you tonight. But just to say whatever you need to fix, God will help you to fix it. Your child needs to know from the moment he or she is coming into this world that you as the parent are unconditionally committed to them that you value their life, that they are important. They are not an accident. They are not an obstacle. They are not a hindrance. They are not an irritation. They are a gift from God. The Bible says so, and we must let them know by what we say and how we help them to know that and feel that and experience that through all activities of life. I could say more on this subject, but let me, let me just say, I think probably when we find that what we're doing isn't working, then we tend to get a little more strict, a little more harsh, a little harder on what we're doing instead of becoming more intense in our commitment. I am not saying let up in your discipline. The Bible tells us that we have to. If, if we let up, if we spare that rod, if we... If we fail to discipline lovingly and consistently, we are going to raise uh, uh, an undisciplined criminal. We need to be careful that we don't let up on that, but it always needs to be accompanied by intense love. Intense love. I have here a couple of books. One of these was produced in 1986, and so... The objects referred to are outdated by three generations. The first time I read this book, it gave me a new appreciation for our selectivity when it comes to what we allow our children to be raised by. It's called Turmoil in the Toy Box. Turmoil in the Toy Box. And though it was written in 1986, 
It shows how that the electronics and the various toys and the descriptions of the toys that we allow our children to have uh, for their developmental time can be conditioning them to violence and uh, to responses that are anything other than Christian responses. And I'm not going to go into any of these because so many of them are outdated and uh, they're much, much worse now than they were. But uh, in Dr. Dobson's book, Solid Answers, question number 102 is, what do you think it will do to us to continue watching extreme violence night after night? And he says, Walter Lippmann once wrote that a saturation of this kind of sensationalism can actually destroy a people and a culture. I agree with him completely. We, we've already come to the point where decent people are afraid to go outdoors at night. It wasn't always that way. I grew up in a town where people didn't have to lock their doors, where people didn't have to be afraid, where, where decent people didn't have to be afraid at night. I have to say those days are in our rearview mirror. We have, we've done a lot to destroy ourselves. We live in terror. No one is safe, not even old people who have so little that criminals really want. Television and electronics does have the power to destroy us as a nation. I fear it may have already damaged us beyond repair. Now this was written by Dr. Dobson back in the 1990s. And he said then that we may have been destroyed beyond repair by our electronics. God help us to be wise and not allow our children to be raised, to be developed or destroyed by electronics. We need to raise the children with proper training. I've got two copies actually of To Train Up a Child by Michael and Debbie Pearl. I've got the first edition and then I've got this edition. Same book, different co covers. But uh, in this, Michael and Debbie Pearl discuss the lack of comprehension on the part of a small child and then the proper approach to discipline so that it's, it's not going to result in our uh, causing the child to become discouraged, but rather the child will know the boundaries that uh, he or she uh, are, uh, the, the boundaries in which they're to operate. How important is that? It's all important. A child needs to know the loving limitations. They need to know, without understanding why, they need to know where the limits are, where the boundaries are. Understanding our language is important in our scripture. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What does that mean? Dr. Criswell points out that the word obey here is a combination of two Greek words. It means to hear under, to hear under. So there it is. When the two are used in composition, it means to hear with submission, to hear as though we're bowing, it, to hear with yieldedness, to obey. Children, listen in submission and yieldedness and obedience to your parents. Now, if we're giving them instructions and they're rolling their eyes and they're huffing and puffing, we are not accomplishing what the Bible says. There needs to be not total 
trepidation, but there needs to be awe and respect. When instructions are being given, it needs to be calm. We raise our voice to get their attention, but we don't raise our voice through the entire ordeal. Very important, very important. This week, we were in a store. I watched this happen. I didn't discuss it with you, sweetheart. But there were two young boys, I would say, oh, 08 and 10, or maybe 9 and 11, something like that, with their mom. Mom was oblivious because she was looking at things in the store. The boys were kind of wrestling around, and there were breakables around. They didn't break anything. And I, if they were my kids, they would not have gone as far as they went. But they had gotten into a tussle, and they were just doing like boys do, but should not do in a store, should not do in that, that venue. There's a place and a time, you know, we know there is a season. You understand what I'm saying. Boys do need to wrestle around every once in a while. It should be on the back lawn. That's where it should take place. And mom or dad should tackle them and let them know that they're still the boss. Amen. Amen. Good preaching. All right. But they were doing that in there. And, and it was going on. And it was going on. And she spoke to them a couple times, turned around, paid the bill, took them outside. And, and right in front of the doors... She was screaming, yelling at them for what they had done wrong. Now, what they had done wrong, they had done wrong. But she's out there screaming at them. She takes them 10 more feet. She, she's not done. It's part two. She takes them another 10 feet. She's not done. She's into part three now. And the only reason I could not tell every word was because she was wearing her mask outside and screaming at them through her mask. And those kids... They were looking down, looking down, and I was trying not to, to be too obvious, but they were looking through the, through the glass at me, looking at them and watching them and watching this whole ordeal take place. There are several things wrong with this picture. You say, well, well, I want to cheer for that lady. i tell you what you do. Wake her up before that point. And those boys, they need some guidance and direction in their life. And, and maybe that's mom's best way of doing it. But those kids are going to grow up like beat puppies. They're going to grow up without balance in their life. What I am preaching to you is what's in the Word of God. Kids need to listen. They need to hear under. They need to be in submission when they're listening. Not beaten into submission, but in submission because of godly honor and respect. Because they have had inculcated within them the realization that if they don't honor and respect and obey their parents, they're not going to live a long life. To honor thy father and thy mother, the Greek word for honor, is a word that brings to mind preciousness, dearness, hold in esteem, as we have said already. The fifth commandment is a commandment which is to honor and to hold in esteem and respect our parents so that we might live long. One man who did live long was the owner and operator of the most successful restaurant in Florida in his time. He had inherited it from his mother and father. First dad passed on and then mom passed on. But both of them had said to him, now when we're gone, you're going to take over this restaurant and honor mom and dad. Honor and respect mom and dad. After we're dead, by not being open 
on the Lord's Day during service times. Number two, by never selling booze and never allowing a cigarette machine or tobacco to be sold in this place. And you know that that man became fabulously wealthy as a side benefit of honoring his mom and his dad and their memory and their standards and doing what they said he ought to do. And God blessed. Now there are people, I have known people, who've said, if I don't do business during church, if I don't do business, if I, if I don't sell that booze, well, I, won't be, I won't be able to keep up with the, with the other uh, restaurants. Well, they'll go somewhere else. Let them go somewhere else. Honor thy father and thy mother. Honor what the word of God has to say. Preacher, you say, why are you so, why are you so lathered up about this? Because I believe it's important what mom and dad taught us. My uncle Dwight preached himself to death before his 30th birthday. My dad, who was a young boy, just a teenager, stood by his older brother's casket, put his hand on the casket, said, Dwight, I'll take your place. My uncle Dwight was a great evangelist in his 20s. He preached all over the Midwest during the closing years of Billy Sunday's ministry. And he preached in many of the places, many of the towns and cities where Billy Sunday preached. And my uncle preached to thousands of people and preached the paint off the walls and souls came to God. All I've got of his memory are two little books that he published. And one of them was The Preacher's Sayings. And he talks about parental delinquency. And he talks about, he says, not always the parents' fault. Because as I've said already, you grow up and then you realize there are some things that by God's grace you can fix according to the Word of God. The Bible strongly teaches us that parents should discipline children. If we don't do that, we're going to raise them up for everything that's wicked and wrong. The fact of the matter is most kids want to know what their boundaries are. They want their elders to give them a framework for life. To train up a child means to make all the difference and might save their life and might give them longer life. Eli failed in the dis discipline of Hophni and Phinehas and they all died because of it. Samuel failed in the discipline of his sons, uh, Joel and Abiah. David failed with his son Absalom. And others have failed as well. However, nagging them to the point of uh, discouragement is wrong as we read in verse number 4 of our scripture tonight. Parents should set forth positive rules of conduct, should make sure that Children are respecting and obeying and listening. Uh, and why a thing is right or wrong can be discussed at the level of the child. But understand, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, uh, sometimes a six-year-old will not understand the whys and the wherefores. They just need to know where the boundaries are, where the fences are. And lovingly help them to understand they're there. Dad and mom and God got together and we discovered this is where the fences should go. Don't go outside that fence. If you do, there's going to be discipline. There's going to be correction. The primary responsibility is on us to show them where that is. The control and discipline is not to exasperate them, not to embitter them, not to cause them to be provoked or to become discouraged. I want to give you some ways that parents do this to children very quickly. Sometimes by overprotection. 
We smother them even beyond the point where they should start to develop some, some independence and start to learn to, to go in the right way that they've been led. We do this by favoritism sometimes. Parents comparing siblings with others, and, and uh, that's, that's wrong. The Scripture always teaches us that there'll be heartbreak from this. Number three, overachievement. Parents often push their children to achieve before they're ready or they put unrealistic expectations on them or they sometimes try to live through their children. Well, I never had the opportunity to play in the big leagues, so we're going to push you, we're going to take you to all the camps and we're going to put you in all of the training and, and you're going to be a pro. Number four, failures. Parents who fail to reward good behavior or achievement but are quick to cite shortcomings and failures and mistakes can do great damage. We need to say, good job, good job. Number five, neglect. Parents who never have enough time for their kids. Oh, I'll get around to it. Or they say, I show my love for my kids because I, I bring home the bacon or because I cook three meals or because I wash the clothes. But kids need to have some time and sometimes you need to come home early and play catch and sometimes you need to take a little time away and say, well, let's talk about this and let's take care of that. Don't goad your children into resentment. It will take years to overcome it. Bring them up instead in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. To nurture means to lay before the mind. Admonition means verbal instructions with a view to correct. God's formula is here. Nurture and admonition, a balanced approach to raising those kids the way they need to be raised to the glory of God. Say, preacher, I don't know if, if, if I did the right thing or not. Pray that you did, but don't ever stop praying for them. Give the kids a chance by raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We see the example of Jesus Christ in Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That means he grew intellectually and physically and spiritually and socially. Your kids need balance. Our grandchildren need balance. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Only take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. I want you to come back on Sunday. I want you to come back and hear me preach as we preach important uh, scriptures on the, this very uh, pertinent subject of leaving a legacy and leaving uh, a godly uh, uh, heritage for those who come behind us. And God help us to pray and bring before the Lord the need of our kids to be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, bless us tonight. Thank you for these who have listened. And I pray that we'll take to heart those things that have been shared. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. God bless you. And let's love the kids, but let's, let's, uh, let's, be, right. let's be right before God in the way that we raise them. And uh, grandkids, same way. Let's be right in the way that we raise them to, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. 
I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And if you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up into our feet?